Well, let's look at this passage, uh, Matthew 13, 44 through 52 together. And let's start in verses 44 through 46. And I want us to see this, the immense value and cost of the kingdom. The immense value and cost of the kingdom. Uh, this passage, it starts with a pair of parables. And so far, if you just look at the chapter uh, in Matthew 13, Jesus has told lots of parables. He's told four. There was a parable of the sower that the chapter kicked off with. And then there was a parable of the weeds, um, which both had explanations. Isn't it really helpful when Jesus tells us what he means? And then there was a parable of two tiny things, the parable of a mustard seed and the parable of some yeast. And they came as a pair. Uh, in this next section, Jesus' uh, teaching, it starts with another pair of parables. The hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. Let's just make sure we've got these parables in our heads. Are you sitting comfortably? Let me tell you these stories. And so here in verse 44, we find our man. He's standing in a field and it's stretched out before him. He's probably standing behind a pair of oxen and he's standing at a plough. And so begins another day of grind in his field. He G's up his oxen and he takes up uh, a kind of mark of the tree in the distance and then he starts ploughing. Up and down his field he goes. He's trying to get his ploughs as straight as they can possibly be. Halfway through the day and the field he pauses and he wipes the sweat off his brow. His hard work is this. But he looks down and sees something that catches his eye. It can't be, can it? He kicks some of the dirt away. He has to rub his eyes. Because it is. It's treasure. He's heard of these things happening in the past. Of, of long lost treasure hoards that have been buried for centuries, then being unearthed suddenly, out of the blue. It's like winning the lottery, this is. Well, he kicks um, over the dirt again, and he leaves his oxen, he leaves his plough, and he rushes off giddily. Indiscriminately, he gathers everything he has. He owns whatever it is, and he goes out and he sells it. He gets all of this money together. And with a skip in his step, he goes off to buy that field. And as he pours out all of his life savings, it feels nothing more to him than buying a daily paper. It's not even like buying a broadsheet for him. It's like buying the eye. It's like not even buying the eye. It's like picking up a metro. It's nothing to him the buried treasure in the field, it was too good to miss out on. Did you get it? Well, for the second parable, in uh, verse 45, our main character isn't a ploughman. He is a fine merchant. And so, we take off our wellies, and we take off our flat cap, and on we put a three-piece suit and shiny shoes. And our merchant, he knows what he's looking for, doesn't he? He's in search 
for fine pearls. And so he scours the sucks. He scours the markets. He scours the bazaars. Everywhere he goes, there's pearls on the mind. He travels near, he travels far. And our merchant, he's no fool. He's not going to be had. Because when he sifts through the pearls, as he's looking for them, he uses a few different tools. He uses his fingers. He uses his eyes. He also uses his teeth. Do you know this? When, you, when you're looking for a pearl, you don't just look at it. You don't just feel it. You rub it against your teeth. And if it feels grainy, those are the real ones. If it feels smooth, it's fake. Um, and this, this pearl merchant, he's not going to be had. Well, one day, he turns a corner of the familiar market to the familiar stall when he's stopped in his tracks. You know those moments when everything around you just goes quiet because he's seen something in this market stall that has taken his breath away. It's the most exquisite pearl. It's like nothing else he has ever seen. It's not just the size of it, but it's the shape. It's the way that the colors gleam in the sunlight. There's the beautiful white, but then you get those pinks and those blues coming through in it. The merchant's heart beats faster. This is the perfect pearl that he's been searching for. He has to have it. He speaks to his friend, the market stall owner, and he tells him his intentions. Do, don't you dare sell that pearl. I am coming back and I will have it. The merchant, he rushes off and he pulls together every single pearl that he owns and he sells them. And really, these pearls that he used to have, they're just like pebbles to him now. All he can think about is this fine pearl. And he rushes back with all of his liquid assets, all of his money in his pockets, and he pulls it out and gives it to this market stall owner just so he can have that fine pearl. Did you get it? The, the hidden treasure, the beautiful pearl. They're different stories, but they've got the same two points. They've got the same main thrust. It's the value and the cost of the kingdom. This morning, do you know, there is treasure out there. Some people, they kind of stumble upon it. Other people have been searching their entire lives, but there is treasure to be found. And what is this treasure? Well, it's the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? It's knowing the king. It's living under his reign and under his rule. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king. He reigns and he rules. And to be a citizen in his kingdom, oh, it's of immense value. Because everybody in his kingdom, they know that they don't deserve to be there. The kingdom of heaven is a place of light. Just look in your Bibles. Look up from our passage to verse 43. It says this, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Light and life and love, they abound in the kingdom of heaven. 
This is a place where there's no shadow. There's absolutely no darkness. But each and every single one of us, we know, don't we, the darkness and shadow within our own hearts and lives. We know about the sin and the guilt and the shame that weigh us down, that whisper in our ears at night, that drive us to want to do and to be better people, but then we just feel condemned when we can't be. So how do people like you and people like me, people of darkness, how do we become citizens in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of heaven? Well, the citizenship test of the kingdom of heaven, it's got one question. Are you full of light? And every applicant to the kingdom has to say no. Yet, the hidden treasure on offer is the free gift of entry to this kingdom. The priceless pearl is the gift of God to you. It's a chance to know the love and the welcome of God the Father. It's a chance to know your sins and your shame, forgiven, covered, because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a chance to know the indwelling power and love of God the Holy Spirit in your own heart. This is the treasure. This is the pearl. It's forgiveness of sin. It's covering of shame. It's the welcome and love of God. It's hope for the future. This is life in the kingdom of heaven. But what does it cost you? Well, just like the man in the field and the merchant in the market, this treasure is going to cost you everything. Everything that you have and everything that you are. To enter the kingdom of heaven, you must submit your life and your soul and your all to this king. Uh, uh, there can be no dual allegiances. There can be nothing left behind. And you cannot follow Jesus, but keep back your sexuality. You cannot follow Jesus and keep back your ambition. You cannot follow Jesus and keep back for yourself your shame. You cannot follow Jesus and keep back your time. You cannot follow Jesus and keep back your anything. Jesus demands all of your past and all of your present, and all of your future. But look again, will you, at the man and the merchant. They don't think twice, do they, to pay the price. Merrily they skip along, pouring out their everything they have for the treasure and for the pearl. The cost of the kingdom, well, it's just a drop in the ocean compared to the value of the kingdom. Joining the kingdom... It will cost you everything, but you gain more. Your past is dealt with. The Lord Jesus walks with you in your present, and your future is bright. So what should you do? Well, these two parables tell you. It's the title of our sermon. Pay up and get rich. Give your all to the Lord Jesus and come into the kingdom. 
But what if you're sat here, sat in your living room at home, you're counting up the cost, and you're thinking, it's expensive, Sam. It's dear, this, isn't it? It's too much. It's too much. Well, Jesus' next parable is a stark warning of the cost of rejecting the kingdom. That's immense. So we, f- we saw, firstly, the immense value and cost of the kingdom of heaven. Look secondly with me at verses 47 through 50 and see the immense cost of rejecting the kingdom. Jesus' next parable, it whisks us away from the field and the fresh air. It whisks us away from the hustle and bustle of the market. If you listen in verses 47 and 48, just close your eyes and listen. What you've got is the squawks of seagulls. If you, if you sniff up, you get that distinctive fishy aroma, don't you? We've got seagulls and we've got fish. And as you open your eyes and as you look up, there we are on the lakeside. And there's fishermen sitting all along the side of it. And in front of them, at their feet, is this colossal dragnet. This is a type of net, not that just one bloke kind of stands at the side and casts into the sea. This is a type of net that takes um, whole crews of fishermen to drag into their boats. And then another crew of fishermen drag the other side into their boat. And the two boats um, sail uh, yards and yards and yards apart, dragging it between them. This is a type of net. It catches anything and everything indiscriminately. If you were to buy a tin of fish from this net, it's not going to say dolphin friendly on it. And so when the fishermen, when they land this net, it's teeming with all sorts of fish. And this is where the real work starts for the fishermen. They have to go through and sort all these fish into keepers and to castaways. The good fish and the bad fish. The goodies, they go into, the body, into a basket. The baddies, they just get discarded. This is Jesus' parable of the dragnet. Did you get it? If you're less sure about this parable, Jesus gives you an interpretation. Look at verse 49. Jesus' parable, it's not about the present. This parable, it's about the future, isn't it? This is about the end of all things. So it will be, Jesus says, at the end of the age. The dragnet tells us about the end of all things. Jesus teaches us that there are two destinies, two fates, two ends. And at the end of all time, there will be a great sifting and a great sorting. God's dragnet will be cast far and wide. It's going to be filled and it's going to be gathered in. And in God's dragnet, all kinds of human beings will be caught. That's wrong though, isn't it? Because in God's dragnet, all humankind will be caught. Men and women, big and little, east and west, no one will be left out. And then each and every person will be sorted into two. But notice, will you? The parable of the dragnet 
tells us only about one of these ends. Let me read verses 49 to 50 to you again. So it will be at the end of all age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus' words hang in the air, don't they? Even 2,000 years later, this is a harrowing picture of the end of all things. And this is the punchline of the parable. It's the immense cost of rejecting the kingdom. The immense cost of rejecting the king. There is no life or flourishing to be found in rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only regret and sorrow and judgment. For those of you who are counting the cost of following Jesus, please, this morning, do your sums. Count it up. This cost is too much to bear. Follow the Lord Jesus. Well, the Lord Jesus, He's shown us the value and cost of the kingdom, and He's shown us the cost of rejecting the kingdom. Well, you see, thirdly and finally now, the immense privilege of kingdom subjects. Look at verses 51 and 52. Listen up again. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Jesus turns to his disciples to make sure that they've understood what he's been talking about, what he's said so far. He wants to make sure that they know that there's a stark choice before them. The king is here. The kingdom has come. Are they in? Are they out? Yes, they say. We get it. We're in. That's their response. And if the Lord, Lord Jesus, same question, came to you this morning, could you answer it like they did? Have you understood all of these things? As you reflect on his question, please don't worry about trying to make sure you've got all of the details in order. The Lord Jesus isn't going to set you an exam about his parables anytime soon. He wants, though, to make sure that you've got the punchline of his parables. Have you understood the main points? The value and the cost of the kingdom? The cost of rejecting the kingdom? You know, if the Lord Jesus asks you that same question now, have you understood these things? Would you honestly be able to say no? Because he's made himself plain, hasn't he? Jesus is the king. His kingdom is of immense value. But it costs everything you are. And it will cost you more if you reject it. Well, to the disciples, to the ones who have got it, the ones who are in, Jesus shares yet another parable. Now, this is possibly one of the most cryptic so far, isn't it? Jesus is speaking about a master of a house, a homeowner. And this is slightly different to your standard home on Iver Street. 
Um, this is more, yeah, this, this master of a house, think more uh, Downton. And so it's not something I've really ever watched, but my wife has been watching Downton in the middle of the night um, when she's been doing the nighttime feeds for the baby. I've kind of half woken up um, to hear people talking about upstairs and downstairs. There's servants and they seem to be very rich and have a very big house. This is a type of house we need to be thinking about. Uh, the one that Mr. Downton lives in. Um, and so Mr. Downton, he brings out of his treasure trove these ancient artifacts and state-of-the-art technology. He's got pottery from Mesopotamia, but then he's got VR peripherals for next-gen consoles. This privileged homeowner has got old things and new things, and these things, they're to be shared. Well, Jesus says that the homeowner is like a teacher of the law who's become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. Well, the teachers of the law, they're usually the baddies in the gospel, aren't they? If you hear about them, you want to say boo hiss. They're the folk that hang out with the chief priests and the Pharisees. But if we just step back from a second uh, from our kind of panto-esque response, and if we don't boo and hiss at them, uh, we need to think about um, who they are. What was the point of the teachers of the law? Well, they were the people who were charged with instructing other people, with leading God's people to God's ways. The teachers of the law were the ones to point others to God. And so in the kingdom of the heaven, whose responsibility is that now? Who is going to point other people to God? Well, the disciples are, aren't they? They're the ones who've understood the parables. Like Jesus said back in verse 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, disciples. Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but didn't see it and hear what you hear but didn't hear it. The disciples, they're the ones who are to take upon themselves the mantle of teachers in the kingdom of heaven. But remember, will you, it's not because the disciples are particularly clever. Understanding Jesus' parables, it's not down to being brainy. It's not down to having high IQ. It's down to humility and desire. Because the disciples were the ones who weren't content to go away, scratching their heads, not understanding. They went back to Jesus and they asked him to explain. They went back to Jesus to ask for interpretation. Understanding Jesus' teaching is a gift from him. And if we want it, all we need to do is ask. And so if you go away and as you're reading um, Ezra and Nehemiah and Daniel and Esther, as you're doing read the Bible together, if you're really struggling with it, ask the Lord Jesus to help you in the midst of it. He will give you understanding. He'll send you his spirit. It's a gift from him, his understanding, Jesus' teaching. And the disciples, they're the ones who have been discipled. So now, they're the ones who've got to become like Mr. Downton. Out of their storehouses, out of their treasure troves, out of their hearts, Jesus' disciples have got treasure beyond measure. The treasure that they've found, 
the treasure beyond value. This is the thing that is to be shared. But why does Jesus compare it to treasures old and new? Just for a second, let me uh, kind of fill out a little bit of the context that Jesus is telling these parables. Because there'd been rising opposition and apathy and misunderstanding from all sides. The Jewish leaders and the crowds, and even Jesus' biggest cheerleader, John the Baptist, they were unsure about Jesus' credentials as king. They weren't sure if he really was the Messiah or not. And so these parables in chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel, the sower, the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, the yeast, the priceless pearl, um, the hidden treasure and the dragnet, these parables are Jesus' response. Jesus has acknowledged that the people were right to expect the Messiah. They were right to expect a king to come with his kingdom. But through these parables... Jesus has challenged what they expected of the kingdom. The old expectations were good, but the new was needed. Or to say it a different way, Jesus isn't trashing everything that's gone before. He's fulfilling it in an unexpected way. It's like what Jesus said back in chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law and the prophets, the old things, they point to the Lord Jesus Christ, but they could be misunderstood if they aren't clarified. And so we need the whole revelation of God to share the value and the worth and the glory of God's promised King. We need the law and the prophets, but we also need the gospels and the epistles. In short, we need the whole Bible, don't we? And through this short parable, Jesus is almost laying the groundwork for the Great Commission. The privilege of his disciples in sharing his work of proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. These 12 disciples, they're not alone in being commissioned by the king. They received Jesus' uh, teaching, they faithfully recorded it, and they've passed it on. And so if you belong to the kingdom, you too have been discipled. You too have become like Mr. Downton, with treasures in your storehouse, old and new. And these treasures are to be shared. They're to be shared with anybody who'll listen. Do you see the privilege that the Lord Jesus bestows on his kingdom subjects? To us, to people like me and you, he leaves the task with, of extending the kingdom with this good news. And so today, will you hear again, there's treasure on offer. So will you pay up and get rich? There was the immense value and cost of the kingdom in verses 44 through 46. And then we saw the immense cost of rejecting the kingdom in verses 44 through, uh, 47 through 50. And then just now, 51 through 52. The immense privilege of kingdom subjects. We get to share this treasure. 
let's just reflect quietly on what we've heard this morning now. We're going to um, respond to God's word now with song. We're going to sing together. And we're going to sing a song that picks up on some of these themes. It's all about the Lord Jesus, is his next song. Immortal honours rest on Jesus' head. Uh, the third verse picks up on uh, our first parable. It talks about, in him there dwells a treasure all divine. A matchless grace has made that treasure mine. Oh, I really, really hope and pray that you know the reality of this. You know the treasure is yours. It's on offer today. Pay up, will you? Come get rich. Let's stand and sing together to praise of Almighty God. Immortal honors rest on Jesus' head. <laughs> 